Hey guys, this is Sean from nursedose.org and I uh, wanted to continue our hemodynamic review with uh, this next value that I think is really undervalued along with um, some other ones that we're going to be talking about uh, in future episodes. But uh, this value is um, SVR or systemic vascular resistance. Uh, this is something that we use a lot in our post-surgery patients to see what we should do with them. Um, I think a lot of people could use it with other things as well, with other types of patients. And uh, that's why we're going to kind of talk about today. So what is systemic vascular resistance? It's basically the resistance to blood flow from the systemic vasculature. And the reason that we put that systemic vasculature in there is because there's also something known as PVR, which is your, your, your pulmonic vascular resistance. And that's the resistance of blood flow basically in the lungs. Uh, so there's a whole different dynamic with that and a whole different set of numbers that we go by with that and a whole nother set of drugs that we use to affect that as well. So back to SVR, it can basically be the same. It's interchanged with afterload in many ways, even though there is a big difference between the specifics in afterload and the specifics in systemic vascular resistance. In general terms, you can combine the two terms into the same meaning. So a lot of people will use systemic vascular resistance and afterload interchangeably. And that's fine. And it kind of gives you a whole general view of what systemic vascular resistance is because people typically know what afterload is. That's something that you learn in nursing school. SVR isn't something you really talk about too much in nursing school. So how do we calculate SVR and how do, do we get the number that we see on our machines or how do those machines calculate SVR? So in simple terms, MAP minus CVP divided by cardiac output times 80 will give you your SVR. And it's kind of interesting to look at the components of this equation. So you have your MAP, your CVP, both pressures divided by your cardiac output. So you're taking into account how much blood the heart is pumping with your normal pressures that you have. So you can tell if you have a high cardiac output, your SVR is gonna be low, right? Because the higher the number is on the bottom, the lower the number, your final number is gonna be. And likewise, if you have a high pressure, CVP or MAP, uh, that number is gonna be higher on top, giving you a lower number for your final result. So it, it kind of makes sense. You know, when you talk about afterload, a lot of people just think about blood pressure. So people with a higher blood pressure are going to have a higher afterload in most cases, you know, unless your cardiac output is ridiculous. Um, and you can see that sometimes. So this kind of gives you a general understanding of where SVR comes from. And you can kind of generalize it in your head and see um, what, effects to blood pressure, CVP, cardiac output will do to your SVR. And that's important with managing these patients that we have after surgery. 
because you can mess with all of these things. You can mess with your blood pressure. You can mess with your CVP and you can not as easily, you can mess with your cardiac output. So all these things, you can use your SVR to kind of calculate where you want to be with all these different things. So now that we know all the components of SVR, what is the normal values for them? So this is pretty easy to remember. Um, I just keep the number 400 in my head uh, and it kind of helps me with the range. So the range of good SVR is 800 to 1200. Um, so obviously below 800, your SVR is low, uh, above 1200, your SVR is high. Uh, so what does that mean? What is a low SVR? What causes a low SVR? So a low SVR can be caused from things like sepsis or anaphylactic shock in which your vasculature kind of dilates, um, and you know, allows for easy blood flow and things of that nature, which aren't necessarily good in every single case. Um, and along with that comes vasoplegia, which we see a lot in our um, open heart surgery patients uh, directly after surgery. So basically what vasoplegia is, um, I mean, in, if you break down the word, vaso like your vasculature, and plegia is like paralyzation. So your vasculature doesn't respond in the way that it needs to. And that can happen because of some different things just because of shock to the the system, uh, be it from the actual surgery or from being on pump. And so this is something that we look at a lot. And more often than not, when your patient comes out from a cardiac surgery, they're going to have um, really low SVRs. And um, that's why we treat them the way that we do. And we'll talk about that here in a second on how we treat low SVRs. But just know, in general, the things that cause low SVRs are uh, certain types of shocks like sepsis and anaphylactic, uh, your cardiogenic shock is actually going to cause a high SVR. And we'll get into that here in a second. Um, and then, like I said, vasoplegia will also call cause low SVR. And now some things that can cause high SVR <clears throat> include uh, several things like hypothermia. So if you've ever had a patient, and I, I just use cardiac surgery because that's what I'm so familiar with. Uh, when you get a patient from surgery you know, the OR is cold. They like to keep them cold. Uh, they'll, they'll be really cold. So they're hypothermic for the most case. Uh, you know, usually with 96, 97, maybe even colder than that. Um, and if anyone has been in this situation where you're recovering a surgery and you start warming them up and then you notice your blood pressure starts dropping, that's actually pretty normal. That's, you know, that, that's because of SVR. So you have a high SVR with hypothermia, so you can kind of correlate that with afterload and your blood pressure. So what I think of it is like, if I'm cold, I like to bundle up. And so I just imagine my vasculature doing the same thing, bundling up, causing increased pressure in the vascular bed and increasing your blood pressure. So as you increase your uh, temperature, you're going to decrease your SVR as those um, vascular beds kind of relax and allow for more blood flow to come through more easily, you're going to drop your afterload and you're going to drop your blood pressure. So along with that, we have hypovolemia. And what I think about with this is you got to think about these things in the extreme. So if, if you're slightly hypovolemic, you can still think of it like you're extremely hypovolemic. And what is your body going to want to do if you don't have as much, let's just say for simple terms, if you don't have as much fluid in your body, what is your body going to want to do 
to increase that flow of that limited fluid, you're going to squeeze it, right? So if you're squeezing that fluid, trying to get it to perfuse throughout the whole body, that's going to increase your SVR. And so you can take this, and this is one of the main benefits that I see with SVR is you can use it as an adjunct to see what your fluid status is. You have all these other values that can tell you this, like stroke volume variation, just stroke volume in general, even your cardiac output and your cardiac index. But when I want to confirm my thoughts about what our fluid status is, I'll look at SVR because if my stroke volume variation is high and my SVR is high as well, then I know that my patient is trying to squeeze the little bit of fluid that they have to increase the perfusion. So it's kind of like a marker that will help indicate what your fluid status is along with your other ones. So like I've said before, you can't just use one value to estimate uh, what your fluid status is. So you have to look at the whole big picture and that's what SVR really helps with. Another cause of high SVR, which I kind of mentioned uh, in the low SVR category, um, is cardiogenic shock. So what, what is the cause of cardiogenic shock? It's not a shock that is caused by the vasculature like sepsis and anaphylactic shock. This shock comes from the actual heart. So the heart isn't working correctly, be it a low ejection fraction, stunning, um, anything like that. And so what the body tries to do, the body senses that not as much blood is coming through. Um, and if you think about it, like the hypovolemia, it kind of mimics the same thing because your body's like, oh, I don't have as much fluid going through my vasculature. So let me squeeze. And this is really bad because if you have a heart that can't pump very efficiently, and then you have the tubing, which is the vasculature, start to uh, contract and, and become more... Uh, make it harder to push the blood through, it's going to just exacerbate the situation. And that's why some of these CHF people can decompensate really quickly, uh, or these cardiogenic shock people can decompensate really quickly. And that's why it's really important that we use machines such as the impella or the balloon pump, uh, which will actually, well, in the balloon pump's case, decrease your SVR. And we'll talk about that in a future episode. So you can kind of see how cardiogenic shock is different from the sepsis and anaphylactic shock, where it actually decreases the flow from the actual pump, which is the heart, causing the body to think that there's less fluid in the whole body, causing it to constrict. So you'll have an, a high SVR with cardiogenic shock. And then you can just kind of think about what situations would increase your blood pressure. And that many times the not will actually correlate with a high SVR. So, you know, whenever you're stressed, you're going to have a high blood pressure. And with that, you're going to have a high SVR. So how can we play with the SVR and get it to where we want it in order to get the vital signs in the patient response that we really want? So of course you can use medications to alter the SVR. And um, I want you to kind of think before I tell you, what medications do you think can increase SVR? Just take a second to think about it. Um, what medications can increase your blood pressure and therefore increase your afterload and therefore increase your SVR. So if you're thinking oppressors, that's the main one. So your epilevovasophenylephrine and some of the other ones that are coming out now, those all increase your SVR. 
So when you have a patient that comes out of surgery, like I said previously, their SVR is usually going to be pretty low uh, just because of the shock to the system. So uh, why it's not unheard of for these patients to come out on a presser, usually Levo, maybe some Epi if there's you know some heart stunning as well. So that you can see, you can see the SVR titrate up as you titrate up your pressors. And your pressors are going to be your main source of increasing your SVR. Um, I can't really think of anything right now, anything else that will increase it. I mean, basically anything that increases your blood pressure is going to increase your SVR. But now, so what decreases your SVR? And this is something that a lot of people deal with, um, especially with hypertensive emergencies, post-surgery patients that don't have systemic shock, kind of like our kidney transplants and our liver transplants. Uh, They usually come out really hypertensive. Their SVR is usually pretty high um, unless there's some abnormality that goes on during surgery. Uh, So... Basically, your first line of defense with the high SVR is going to be your vasodilators. And this includes your nitrites, like nitroglycerin and nipride. Uh, but it can also include things like hydrolyzine. I think every one of us has given hydrolyzine before. And it's an arterial dilator that will significantly reduce your SVR if uh, dosed correctly. Uh, some other things that can decrease your SVR include your antihypertensive uh, medications. The ones that are available as drips are usually most effective. And, you know, that includes things like nicardipine. Uh, If you work in a CCU, you've probably used nicardipine before. Even, um, you know, a MICU, uh, you've probably used nicardipine before and know that it's weird titration and all that stuff. And then in pill form, you've got your ACE inhibitors and your ARPs, which can also decrease your SVR. So let's imagine that you just landed a cabbage patient, a coronary artery bypass graft patient. Uh, They have two new grafts and the surgery went well, no problems. So the first thing you do is you start hooking up your machines. You hook up your uh, hemodynamic monitor and let's say you have a SWAN. So your SWAN-GANS catheter will give you a CVP and it'll give you a cardiac output. And like we talked about before, you know, these are the main components that you need to get your SVR. Of course, everyone's going to have MAP. Uh, There's no ICU that doesn't um, measure MAP. And I know everyone's seen those memes about how um, CVICU nurses are obsessed with MAP. And this is one of the reasons why. So it's, it's not a meme. It's real. So you hook up your patient. You get your numbers. Let's say your blood pressure is 80 over 60. Um, not really the best pressure, but something that you can expect many times whenever you get these patients post-surgery. So that's your pressure. You look at your SVR, your SVR is 400. So what is something you can do to increase that SVR? And just think about it for a moment. Think about what we've talked about before. And you might come to the conclusion that we should use uh, a presser. And in many cases, that's right. So um, what we'll do is, let's say we start some Levo. Um, your Levo's doing good. Your SVR has gone from 400. Now it's around 600. Um, and you're getting to more acceptable blood pressures. So let's say your blood pressure is now uh, 95 over 60. Uh, your map's good. Uh, everything's looking good. Your doctor's happy. So let's fast forward a couple hours. And your blood pressure is 
more normal and you start titrating off that levo because your patient has come out of that vasoplegic state. And as the hours go on, you notice that the SVR starts going up and up and up. You're off your levo, so you're wondering what's going on. Your blood pressure kind of stays the same. Your CVP is kind of dipping down. So what do you think is going on? Why is your SVR going up when things are kind of staying the same? Your your map's the same, but your CVP is going down. What could be the cause of this and how could you fix it? So think about what we said could affect your SVR before. Um, and now since we're off the levo, it's not just running without us knowing. We've already checked that. What is something that we can do? And what is something that cardiac surgery patients need post-surgery? So if you're thinking fluid, then you'd be correct. So let's go ahead and give some fluid to the patient. So we resuscitate the patient in terms of fluid and now our SVR is coming back down to normal. Let's say it's 1200 now. Um, everything's looking good now again. And we'll fast forward a couple more hours when the patient's more awake, the patient's extubated, they're doing good. Um, but now they're in a lot of pain and your SVR is starting to go up again. So this is something that would be considered the stress response. And this is when we would use pain medication to decrease that. Um, so anything that can help relieve high blood pressure. So in this case, it would be, you know, pain that's causing the high blood pressure. So we give them medication to decrease that. And the whole reason why we're so specific on these patients is because you don't want the blood pressure so low and the SVR so low that your grafts will collapse, the new grafts that you just put in this guy's heart, and you don't want it so high that they explode. So that's why it's really important to know these values and to know how you can affect it. And so let's go post-op day one. We have this patient and they're still hooked up to their hemodynamic monitoring. And you realize that the SVR is now incredibly high and their blood pressure is incredibly high too. Let's say they're like 160s, 170s. You start getting nervous that you're going to explode that graft. Uh, so what is something you can give? What is something that we can give to lower the SVR? And what is something, if you work in a CCU, what is something that you've been given to these hypertensive cabbages that can be easily titrated and it can, it doesn't, it doesn't stay with the patient very long. And if you said nicardipine, you'd be correct. And that, that is something that we use pretty typically for post-cabbage patients just to keep that pressure normal. And so with this experience and this exercise, you can kind of see how SVR really can help us with our clinical decisions. Um, it's something that we really don't pay attention to as much. And I think if you use it and you put it into your, your bag of tricks or whatever, it can really help you and alleviate that stress in making a decision on what you need to do. Is your SVR low right out of surgery? Vasoplegia, give a presser. Is it high after surgery? Is it not a pain issue? Then, you know, give your uh, nicardipine. So it's it, it kind of really simplifies your management. Now, is this going to be the same for every patient? Of course not. You know, you have to look at the whole picture. That's why I was saying you have to look at your SVV, your SV, your cardiac output, all that stuff, because you can't just make a simple decision based on one number, but you can use it as a guideline. All right, guys. Well, that's all I got for SVR today. Um, I hope you learned something with it. 
Um, I'm starting to come back with the podcast. So if you have any um, recommendations or anything you want to hear about, uh, please let me know. I'm going to talk about SVO2 here in the next one. It's another value that I think is really um, undervalued. So um, yeah. And um, if you haven't yet, please go to my website, nursedose.org and um, sign up for the mailing list because I'm going to be making some resources that you can download um, and keep with you that can um, help with help with your job, you know. So um, basically like hemodynamic normals, um, all that stuff, stimulocations. locations. But um, yeah, so thanks for listening and uh, there will be more regular episodes uh, now that COVID has kind of died down. And um, yeah, so I will talk to y'all later. Bye.